Hello, Marlins fans and MLB fans all over, and welcome to another episode of Swings and Mishes. I am your producer, Jeremy Taché, joined by Craig Mish, as always, and also Michael Sunbake is with us today. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for another great episode here that we're about to take part of. Yeah, it should be fun. The three of us here on this one. I wasn't expecting really to do this one this week. I was going to leave it to you guys. You guys did such a great job uh, doing this a couple of weeks ago. But, um, you know, look, we're changing it up a little bit. We'll have the three of us. No, no more uh, adult uh, video music either at the beginning of the show. <laughs> so, um, you know. I, will take, I will take full responsibility, everyone. Yeah, what was that about, man? Uh, creating that music. You know, I've got more comments on that than I, I have anything else about this podcast, man. You know what? I, I created that music Good wholeheartedly, job. wholeheartedly mm-hmm. not picking up at all that that was what it sounded like. I was like, ah, oh, that's some cool trumpet. And then... You did it on one of your trips to Central Florida, up there, <laughs> hanging out. It should have been sent to me for one of my podcasts with uh, Colin McCray. That's right. Yeah, you did one there with, with that. You probably pirated that. They could, <laughs> they'll donate some music to us. Yeah, you know? so everyone, if you if you have any uh, hate Thanks, tweets or want to make fun of me, that, uh, that's at Jeremy Taché on Twitter. You can make fun of me. Uh, but there's a reason we're joined by Cresh, uh, Craig at the beginning of this. Uh, you got my name wrong again. Good yeah, job. Thank, thanks, Greg. Um, <laughs> there's a reason. There's a there's a reason we are joined by Craig here at the beginning of this uh, podcast, and that is because uh, there has been some news and and some uh, momentum here in the JT Real Muto sweepstakes. Uh, Craig reported just a couple days ago. Um, I think it was on, yesterday on Twitter. Well. It depends on when we're launching this, right? Yeah, I guess what it depends we, on when this episode. Comes what out. What did we decide on that for this week? I what thought we had decided to. I'll I'll cut this part out, but I thought we had decided <laughs> tomorrow. So you don't have to cut it out. Keep it in there. All right, great. Hey. All right, so you you guys even get the unedited version of this podcast this week. So this is launched. Yes, yeah, so it would be two days ago based on that. Yeah. So anything that happened on Thursday, if something happened, we we missed out on that. Sorry about so, that, guys. What did I report? Uh, Craig reported that sources indicate that the Braves have a strong offer on the table for the Marlins all-star catcher JT Romuto. Miami may prefer that he's dealt outside of the NL East, but at this point is operating as though a trade is likely to happen. So, Craig, what is everything that we need to know on the JT Romuto standing at this moment? Yeah, I think at this point it's safe to say that that Real Muto is going to be traded and anything else that you're hearing to the contrary is is uh, less likely, I would say, mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, nothing is ever guaranteed. You know, the Marlins could uh, at some point call him and say, you know, we'd like to offer you $500 million. And at that point, I'm sure he would take it and he'd be a Marlin for life. I don't see that happening. I right. think that it's time to start moving on and looking for trade possibilities, which the Marlins have already done. I reported that the Braves had a strong offer for Real Muto, which through different other sources uh, that have reported that that's not true or has been denied. I mean, you just look at my track record on reporting over the last few years. You can, you can you know, do that for yourself. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, the bottom line is, is that uh, trades and offers can come in a lot of different forms, Jeremy and Mike. They can come in the form of framework. They can come in the form of exchanged players. There's no doubt in my mind at this point, the Braves have the best of what the Marlins are looking for in terms of an offer. I've heard that from several people at this point and, um, and confirming also with several people, the Marlins would be looking for an ACE pitcher as as well as a position player and, and not knowing any names 
it's hard for me to speculate at this point. Although I will say that the one name that does jump off the page for the Braves, uh, for at least from my interest level, and again, I did not hear this name, so this is speculation on my part, would be Ian Anderson. Uh, mm-hmm. If the Marlins were able to get him as well as another player uh, from the Braves organization, I think that they would strongly consider it and also remember the fact that uh, they probably would prefer some other teams to jump into the mix, which we will also get into here and, and swoop uh, in with making a better offer for JT where he doesn't have to face the Marlins several times during the year. But at this point, that's right. what I got. And that's what I'm going with. And my guess is this will change a lot over the next month. But I, if I, I do not see this dragging on until January like last year. I think this will get done in the next month or so. Well, and that would be nice for, for Marlins fans to see this just sort of this process just get going so that that way we can know going into the offseason, here's where the Marlins are at. Um, I know that you also tweeted out, uh, and it's currently your pinned tweet, I believe, uh, the opening day yes, we're back on the percentages, percentages. Yeah, we go. <laughs> the percentages from Craig Mish, uh, which I know you have a fun time with. Obviously, you had the Braves at the top there, but then the, the teams that were interesting to me above the Marlins were the Astros and the Rockies. And yes, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just intrigued to know why uh, why those teams are specifically up there. The Astros, obviously, we can speculate as to why, but the Rockies I found to be an interesting team on that list. Yeah, the Astros had had checked in and, and had discussed the deal for JT back uh, last December or January. I'm not sure exactly the timeline on that because when I reported that it was, it was right around the time the Marlins had their fan fest. I think it was that. And I was told that the, the timing of when I reported it versus when it actually happened was a little bit off. So meaning that I reported that Houston was was uh, very interested, which was indeed the case, but the reporting was a little bit in terms of timeline off because it had happened a month or two before I reported it. But sometimes you just get information way after the fact. That's just part of doing this. And, right. and believe me, I do this 24-7. It's not always that easy. Uh, so Houston's just a natural fit. I think some things have changed a little bit with the Astros here over the last few weeks uh, because if if the Marlins indeed, from what I'm told, want – arguably an organization's best young pitcher or close to it, I think this could be a little bit more of an issue for Houston than I initially thought because of the fact that arguably they're going to lose Dallas Keuchel. I believe he will leave as a free agent. And again, that's coming with opinion, no fact. Uh, Then uh, Charlie Morton, who is a free agent and has talked about retiring, I suppose they could figure something out to bring him back. Although he is from the Northeast, he's very big with his family. He's been on my shows before. Very nice guy. I, I don't know what his status is and what he's thinking, but certainly if the offer was right, I would hope or I would consider that he would go back to Houston. Okay, so that's two pieces. The third piece is Lance McCullers Jr., who's out for the season. Right. He's had Tommy John surgery. So how willing are the Astros going to be? They're not going to trade Forrest Whitley to the Marlins. They've already said no to that. The Marlins asked for him. They said no. So that's out. So at this point, you're looking at Josh James as a potential uh, player who lives here very close to me here in South Florida as a possibility. Uh, Would the Astros go down that road now and and trade one of their best pitching prospects and be thin in that area? They're just a lot thinner than they were two months ago. So I'm not sure. Maybe they will. I I don't know the answer to that. And then, guys, when it comes down to the Rockies, this is what I heard. Um, In terms of Colorado, JT will be a free agent in two years, hypothetically. And there has been no discussion, by the way, 
uh, within the parameters of a trade that he would get extended in a 24-hour window to go to another team. I'm waiting to hear if that is indeed a possibility. I have not heard that as of yet. Uh, but if he does, in fact, go to the Rockies, guys, this is not being talked about enough. Now, again, the return, I'm not sure. But what would JT's value be in Colorado at Coors Field? Oh I mean, look at what Yelich went from here to Milwaukee. You could be talking about Real Muto putting up 30 home runs, 35 home runs at Coors right. Field. And then what would he be worth on the market? in two years as a 30-year-old hitting 30 home runs in, in Colorado. So not an impossible thing to envision. And maybe the Rockies are looking at the metrics saying, what would he be here as opposed to what he was in Miami, not just as, as the best catcher and receiver, arguably, in all of baseball, but if they were to extend him. The Rockies did extend Charlie Blackman based on his numbers at Coors Field, and they've kept him there for many years. The caveat to that, guys, they still have to lock up uh, Nolan Arenado, and so that's a very big piece of the pie here. What happens there, I don't, I don't you know, that, that's a very important you know, figure. This is the face of the franchise there, but I don't think you can discount Colorado in this equation. So based on those percentages so far, that's what I got. Uh, Atlanta, Houston, Colorado, and then – uh, you know, other teams, I'm sure, will be in the mix at some point. Notice I didn't have Tampa at all on that list. They're out uh, because I had heard that there was some possibility of them getting somebody else that got Zanino. I, I think that precludes them from getting JT. So those names remain the same. Right. That's where we're at. All right. Uh, it, it will be for, <laughs> for the Marlins, I just got to say that that obviously they can only hope, you know, if the Braves are the team that had the big offer so far, they can only hope that these other teams that you're mentioning are jumping into the mix so that the, the offer can rise higher and higher and they can get the most out of a player that seemingly has somewhat unlimited potential and massive value at this point in JT and also has a couple years left on the deal, just like you mentioned. Yeah, and the other part of this also, which would be wise on the Marlins' part as well, if they do indeed feel that the time is now to strike and make a trade, is that you had Scott Boris, the agent, coming out yesterday saying all these teams are not interested in winning and, and, and they don't want to win. And, and we'll leave out all the other little intricacies of what he said, but you know, mm -hmm. compound that with the fact that we've seen reports previously that the Diamondbacks may be considering tearing their, their, uh, their system down and starting over. We've seen reports that the Mariners may be doing that too. And it's not to say that those were fits for Real Muto, but again, once you start eliminating teams from – from the, the mix here of teams that want to win, it becomes a little bit more difficult. The way that I see it is the Braves are kind of all in now on this, and, and it does seem to be a pretty good fit based on the farm system and what they would need. The question is, would the Marlins trade him in the division? And I don't know that they really want to. They may have to based on the return, but I'm sure that they will explore every other team and every other potential trade before it gets to that. Is that still something that teams care about as much as they did like 10 years ago? I think in this situation, they do. I think in this situation, they do. From what I understand, they do. They, they would prefer him outside. Uh, you know, kind of look at it. The Marlins traded Stanton to New York. Goodbye. Uh, Gordon to Seattle. We'll never see you again. Uh, Yelich to Milwaukee. We'll see you twice a year. Ozuna to St. Louis. Same thing. Right. You know, Mike, it does seem a little bit to be a factor there. I don't think it mattered last year when they traded Bohr to Philadelphia because they were out of it, and Bohr is probably a non-tender candidate, or if Philly brings him back, it would be on a, 
on maybe a one-year deal. But, yeah, I do think that it would be a little painful to see him a dozen times a year coming back uh, to, uh, to South Florida, especially when the Marlins potentially are good. I think that they should go for the best return, but I do believe there that is somewhat of a factor of, of having to see him over and over again. Yeah, I agree because I don't think – well, do you think that Colorado would uh, give up Rodgers? No. So it would have to be uh, Riley Pint or uh, – uh, they have another pitcher too whose name escapes me. Um, Lambert. Uh, and there was another, there's a third one too, their first-round pick from last year. I'll look that up for you while you guys discuss this. Yeah, there was another name that I had heard uh, as a possibility. Jim Bowden also illustrated some possible deals uh, over at The Athletic, uh, some of which I thought were spot on, some of which I thought were not. But either way, he did a really nice job of kind of illustrating the different teams and the possibilities for it. And and I and I do think that the Rockies are, are a chance uh, for that. But again, they're they're looking for an ace. So any potential pitcher that is in an organization with an ace, I think the team has a shot to get him. And I think if a team doesn't have one, I don't think they do. I believe you're talking about Ryan Rollison. That's who it is. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Rollison. Yeah, I, I could see. And that's not a household name, but you look at his initial numbers in the minor leagues and he's a top 10 prospect. I mean, look, mm-hmm. that wouldn't really move the needle for a lot of people. It just depends on what else that they can get. But no, Mike, I don't think Brendan Rodgers is a possibility. LeMay, he's a free agent. And, and Rogers, even though he's from Lake Mary and he's a Florida guy, I, it's, I don't, I don't see Colorado giving him up quick. Brendan Rogers, uh, little story on my part. I used to play club baseball up at UCF and we mm-hmm. played our club baseball games at Lake Mary high school. When Brendan right. Rogers was at Lake Mary, there was a team from Miami and, and, and the name of the school escapes me, but they went up to play against Brendan Rogers and we showed up to the field, and there were Major League Scouts from 29 teams at the game. Brendan Rodgers came up and hit homers from both sides of the plate in that game. And Yeah, he's going to be a star. He was, and, and bombs, and none of us knew who he was, and we were, we were so confused as to what was going on, and then found out after the game, and, and the kid was, it was an electric atmosphere around watching him play as a 17-year-old in high school. So Yeah, yeah, he's bulked up also. He's gotten a little bit bigger. I've seen him now as opposed to the last couple of years. Remember, he's played in the Futures game, played in the Futures game here in, in uh, South Florida a couple of years ago. I just don't think that he's on the table for this trade. So, uh, And if indeed it was the trade, it really wouldn't make sense because from everything that I hear, it's like kind of a two-for-one. And the Rockies almost certainly, if they were going to trade him, it would be straight up. It would be straight up. So right. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's a, a possibility. But look, we're going to have so many different changes and twists and turns before this is all over. I'm just going to stand behind what I've reported so far, and and I do think we're just he- we're headed down a road where he's going to get traded. That's what I think. So and you know nothing's ever certain, but that's kind of the way I'm looking at it right now. Fans of this podcast, make sure to follow Craig on Twitter and set your mobile alerts to his Twitter so that that way you can stay up to date Don't every do single that. time. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, but, but be sure Terrible to, idea. Be sure to follow Craig uh, because he will have all of this information. He's been on top of it uh, for years now, but especially since last season uh, where he was, he was the first on, on multiple Marlins deals. Uh, and I expect the same going forward. Craig, any last little tidbits you'd like to add on Rio before we move on here? No, I, I think that pretty much covers it. I think if you're asking me for a timeline, I think for the next week you'll probably hear very little, 
And then when he returns from Japan, maybe at that point, there'll be more to it. We also have to mix in a Thanksgiving week amongst that too. A little right. bit problematic. The winter meetings are in Vegas. I would guess by the winter meetings that something will be resolved. I don't, I don't see this dragging. Um, and, and I think that, look, the other part of what the Marlins are trying to do here is as part of the build that they've called it is a rebranding of everything that they're doing. And you're seeing everything that they're doing on Twitter and the stadium is changing and there's so many changes. I just don't think that they really want so much of this, uh, this to be overshadowed with that. There's no doubt he's a franchise type player. You could parade him around as your new uniform hat, Jersey, whatever you decide to do. But I feel like that the, the branding is such a big part of what the Marlins are trying to do. Uh, as, as, as regaining the fans that potentially that they've lost in the past. And I, and I just hope that, that this doesn't kind of mix with that. But people are very consumed with what happens on the field and consumed with scoops and, and insights. So certainly I'll do that. But I do really look forward to seeing what the Marlins have planned uh, on the field next year, but also their new look and, and their really attempt to re-engage the community. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun to see what they've had going on on social media. So uh, that's it on the JT Rumuto sweepstakes we will keep you updated on this podcast on our twitter account at swings and mishes and on craig's twitter account at craig mish craig thanks for joining us for the first part of this podcast today all right guys we'll talk next week it's a big football weekend and for those of you who like to place a wager or two you may want to head over to betdsi.com they have everything set up for you in 2018, including all of college and pro football. But guess what started this week? College basketball started. So that's just another sport that you can bet over at BetDSI.com. Don't forget to use our promo code SWINGS101, S-W-I-N-G-S-101. They'll match your deposit up to $2,500. You can bet on literally every sport, every proposition wager as it pertains to the Super Bowl, the college football championship, and now college basketball as well. Before you know it, you'll be on there. You'll be making money. Don't forget, it's BetDSI.com, one of the sponsors here on the Swings and Missions podcast. And make sure that you use our promo code SWINGS101 when you sign up. Thanks, Craig. And welcome back to Swings and Missions. Uh, I'm Jeremy Taché, and I'm still here with Michael Sunbake. Um, we're going to dive into some of the stuff that we just talked about with Craig, uh, but also some new stuff here. Um, but, but before we get to anything new, I do want to go back and just say one quick thing about where we ended the conversation with Craig, which was about uh, the Marlins hashtag, and I'm going to butcher this, our Corores uh, initiative here that we've seen where, where the Marlins are sort of starting the rebranding process. I am sorry that I am a somewhat Hispanic person that cannot pronounce anything in Spanish. Uh, so I butchered that hashtag, um, but that's okay. Uh, Danny Alvarez can make fun of me. So I love what the Marlins are doing with this new initiative. I think uh, the rebrand, ironically happening at the same time that the Heat are are doing their uh, vice program here. It just happens to be that the dates are sort of coinciding. Um, but I love what the Marlins are doing. I genuinely like the colors that I've seen. Obviously, there's this whole debate as to whether the the second color is orange or red or a red-orange or even somewhat pink looking I've seen, um, which would lead close to the vice colors. But I, this light blue being the primary color, um, I really like bringing back that sort of, uh, that sort of feel to the Marlins. It, it, it's closer to the teal color that they had back in the day. Um, it feels a little more baseball to me for whatever reason. 
I don't know why, because, you know, saying that orange doesn't feel baseball is ridiculous considering there's two teams that are literally just black and orange uh, in the Orioles and the Giants. Um, but I really like what I've seen so far. Um, and I like the way that the Marlins are trying to make this about the city of Miami. Dutch, do you have any, any thoughts on, on the rebrand here? Um, I agree with you. I th- it's, it's good. Um, I like how they're also getting the city involved. They're trying to, you know, maybe get those fans back, make it that they had lost with the trades and stuff, get them back here excited, you know, trying to connect to the cultures that are mm-hmm. down here. And I do like the colors. I like, I like the blue. Um, I, I wasn't like, I didn't hate the old colors. I think people blew that out of proportion yeah. a little. I thought that, I thought they were fine. I thought the jerseys were mostly nice, like top uh-huh. tier in the majors. Really? But I mean, I do like the new colors and yeah, I mean, I'm a guy who likes orange, so I, okay. I know you just disagree. Like, I like when teams wear orange for some reason, from the Dolphins to the Giants. Right. I always think teams with orange is the nicer uniforms. So, yeah, okay. but I do like the logo uh, the logo change and the color changes, and I'm excited to see jerseys. Yeah, I am excited to see, you know, what the official logo will be. I think we've all sort of speculated. Um, but when they do drop that official logo and they do drop the official uniforms, I'm very much looking forward to seeing kind of this, this new birth of the Marlins, you know, last year was, was where we got to see, you know, ownership come in, basically take a year to assess what all of the fans were, were thinking and hoping for new. And, you know, so far, you know, we can rag on, you know, some of the moves all we want, you know, we can, we can laugh at the fact that Christian Yelich was traded and then, you know, literally became a top MVP candidate. Uh, But at the same time, like this Marlins ownership group has done nothing but listen to what the fans have, have wanted. Um, You know, they've, they've clearly tried to embrace the culture of Miami um, and are trying to do that going forward. They literally set up stations so that they could actually listen to fans thoughts. Um, And clearly, you know, we saw Chip Bowers tweet out, as I will say, two days ago, not one day ago, even though that's when we're recording, <laughs> recording this podcast, uh, we saw Chip Bowers tweet out that there were renovations happening inside the stadium already. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, we talk about a, a, a build um, and rather than calling it a rebrand, let's just call it a brand. The Marlins haven't had one for quite a while now. The Marlins haven't had a true identity as a franchise and it's nice to see them trying to establish something. And one thing I really love is um, what they're going to do is take out the right field seats Mm-hmm. At least in one section, which I guess was G's Corner or whatever it used to be called. Right. They're taking those out, and it's going to be like, um, I think, I guess, standing room where they, they're encouraging people to bring, like, instruments and right. stuff like that. They'll make it like in a, a South American or Central American baseball game, a Caribbean right, like baseball the, game. Yeah, like the Caribbean series, which is – yeah. Yeah, I had I, I actually was lucky enough to have an experience uh, where I got to watch uh, a game between Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic in the Dominican Republic for the Caribbean series, and it I did not know I was at a baseball game any longer. Like I had yeah, never I, been to anything so incredibly passionate and so uh, out there in terms of, of of the fandom. It brought people into the game where you think that might be distracting. It actually makes you so much more engaged because everybody cares. So hopefully that type of atmosphere, like you're talking about, will, will, will uh, make people care more about what's happening on the field. Yeah. I think it's gonna be fun. And 
last World Baseball Classic, I went to the Dominican Republic USA game, and that Damn. you would think you're at a soccer game. It was insane. It was the it was best insane. sporting event I've ever been to. Me too. The best sporting event I've ever been to, and 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 it's not close. That was my favorite game I've ever. Yeah, been it was. To. It was awesome. amazing. It was so fun. So we can only hope that 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 sort of atmosphere comes here to Miami. But but moving forward, uh, saying you know that the the Marlins atmosphere in the stands is going to change. Um, I am intrigued to see what they do this off season on the field and and how they reconstruct their roster or or don't reconstruct their roster. How maybe they keep it pretty much intact. Um, you know, we just talked with Craig who. Uh, you know, believes JT Rumuto will be traded. Whether that happens or not, the Marlins do need to make some moves. And, and Mike, I'm wondering uh, what you think the biggest needs are for the Marlins as we, you know, are here in the offseason now as we approach the winter meetings. Well, for sure, the biggest need is first base. Mm-hmm. And then, because there's really no one. I mean, Peter O'Brien impressed towards the end, but I'm not sure how comfortable I would be with giving him the job into spring training with no competition. Fair. Um, and obviously it depends on what happens with Starlin Castro and JT Realmuto. If they're going to be moved, then second base and catcher become a huge need. But I think right now, first base is the most glaring uh, need. Right. I, I happen to agree with you there. Um, and so, and so let's get into this. Uh, we went through, both of us did and went through just sort of lists of, of who the potential free agents are. And, uh, you know, the fun part about this segment, uh, for me is that as much as you and I Dutch, uh, pr- you know, pride ourselves on some of the relationships we've created now. And, you know, we're sort of getting into this, this medium, uh, we are not connected within baseball spheres. We are not Craig Mish. Uh, so no. we can recklessly speculate all we want with no sources, and uh, not not I'm not going to say reckless, but I said reckless because we have no information that provides that the Marlins will go after any of these players, that they won't go after any of these players, or that any of these players are really a fit in anything other than our minds. So that being said, we're going to throw some players out there that we think might be fits or not. Um, and just kind of go through a list and, and, and wrap this thing up relatively quickly, but we just wanted to throw some names out there. So, so where am I, I'm actually going to start uh, is on the mound uh, because the Marlins, um, one thing that, that Craig did throw out there uh, last week on, on Swings and Mishes was Bud Norris possibly coming in. Um, we're going to go ahead and recant that. Uh, no longer uh, seeming to be a possibility is Bud Norris. Um, on the Marlins, but, but on the starting end of a rotation, like the Marlins are a complicated team here because Alcantara obviously is part of the rotation. Lopez is part of the rotation. Seemingly Richards would be part of a look of a rotation. And then if Urania and Straley are still here, that rounds out your rotation. But like we've talked about, those guys could be moved. Uh, Dutch, you have something? Yeah. I think a lot of people, and yeah, you have forgotten him. And I think a lot of Marlins fans forgotten how good Caleb Smith was. Oh, of course, right? He's just hurt. So when he comes back, yeah, he's he'll hurt, definitely and I think be part of the rotation. Yeah, I think he'll be healthy for spring. From the last time I read, so I think the way he performed, although it was like maybe what two months. No, but he was great. He's a part of your he rotation. He was great. He's healthy. Yeah, so he has to be. And um, I don't know about Urania. Mm-hmm. I think it's time for him to move him to the pen. But really, he's finished his season strong. I th- yeah. I've always thought Urania could be a closer. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think Urania 
uh, really pitched very well in the second half of the year, really since the incident with Acuna and the Braves. Um, but nonetheless, that's a rotation that, that seemingly is filled. But if you were going to move Urania Estrelli, um, some guys that are obviously intriguing uh, exist out there. I don't believe uh, the Marlins will go after someone like Nathan Evaldi that will probably get a gigantic contract somewhere because he's been so dominant. And th- this was just a chance for me to say what he did in the World Series was heroic. What he did in the World Series was one of the most incredible performances I've ever seen coming in in the 12th inning and throwing sixth innings. It was, it was remarkable, even though he gets the loss. Um, one guy that does intrigue me that, again, I don't think he ends up down here, but there is a, a South Florida connection as he went to high school down here is Gio Gonzalez. Uh, if the Marlins do end up trading Urania or Straley, or for that matter, both of them, and are looking for somewhat of a veteran presence in the rotation, I think Gio's the perfect type of guy that might be looking to sort of, he had a good year, not a great year, and maybe would look to reestablish his value on, you know, a one-year, maybe more money than he could get in a multi-year deal, and, you know, a one-year contract and sort of a a prove-it deal on the mound. I know pitchers don't normally like to do that because, you know, they're one injury away. Um, Mm -hmm. But Gio's a guy that intrigues me. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the Marlins will probably, when it comes to pitchers, only sign one-year deals. Exactly. And especially for guys with upside that can rebound and you can probably flip at the trade deadline. Well, the perfect example of that, and another guy I want to throw out there, uh, and, and this is this is a shot in the dark, and this is just because I, I find him to be just such an intriguing name. What about Matt Harvey? I was about to say that. Matt Harvey is someone that, that has had ace-like stuff. It's basically mm-hmm. the reason the Reds traded for him was maybe he can turn things around and we could deal him at the deadline. Uh, that's not what happened. But why couldn't you see the Marlins take a shot on something similar? A reclamation project from a guy that historically has had great stuff. You don't need him to be your ace. He's 30 years old now and is probably looking to try to get that one more contract. He can't get it this offseason more likely than not. So why not? sign with a team like the Marlins that is willing to pay maybe a little bit extra for the season because they might be able to then shop you at the deadline, get you to a competitive team and get some prospects back in return. It sort of feels like a win-win situation. And for that matter, he might get to pitch against the Mets a few times, which I think would make him feel pretty good. Yeah. I, that was one pitch I really like. And um, Irvin Santana on a one-year deal. Yeah. It's another good option. to me. The Twins declined his option. Yeah, that's, that's another interesting one. It, it, it's going to be, I guess, obviously, as we know, this all depends on whether or not Urania and Australia are around. Because if they're around, they're your veterans, you're fine. Your pitching rotation is actually pretty good going into the year, especially if you keep both of them and not just one of them. But if you end up trading those guys uh, with the value that they have to get back prospects, you know, taking a one-year flyer, like you said, on Santana or maybe even on a Matt Harvey uh, would be interesting to me. Um, so then going from number one to number two, we're looking at catchers. Um, if JT Romuto is traded, which feels more likely than not at this point, uh, there's a few different names to keep in mind, in my opinion. Uh, the first, and this could be an actual investment by the Marlins, would be Asmani Grandal. Uh, Grandal obviously struggled big time in the playoffs, was horrendous behind the plate, especially 
um, which is crazy considering there was a stretch where I believe he was 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position, leaving 16 on base or something like that. And I'm pointing out his defensive side of the ball. So, but that's a small sample. Overall, Grandal over the last few years has been one of the better catchers in baseball, offensively and defensively. Um, he provides versatility within your lineup. And he's from Miami. He went to UM. Um, so that maybe he would be willing to be a part of this quote unquote build with the Marlins and be there for something in his hometown. Um, if the Marlins would offer him a long-term deal, cause I don't think he's someone that signs short term. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I think he's the most, uh, intriguing name on catchers free agent list. Uh, and like you said, when he's, he's from Miami, so he has, that personal connection and he's had his success already in the major leagues team wise, you know, he just went the back to back world series. Right. So he doesn't have to chase that anymore. Um, I like, uh, Lucroy. I think he's a interesting option. He had a pretty good year now with Oakland Mm -hmm. and, but the Marlins are going to be on the market for two catchers. Right. And I imagine bring Mathis home. Yeah, I imagine uh, that Lou Croy, and maybe I'm wrong, I know nothing about uh, what he's necessarily looking for, but I imagine Lou Croy would, would be more of in a, a sort of ring-chasing type of uh, mindset at this point. Uh, he's proven a lot as a player, um, and, and I imagine would want to go to a more competitive team than what the Marlins are set to be in 2018-2019 here, um, or 2019, rather, Uh but at the same time, who knows? And that's the type of guy that maybe, again, you know, you, you get him on a one-year deal to bring in some veteran leadership. Uh, and all of this said, you know, there's no reason that theoretically Brian Holiday couldn't be back in a Marlins uniform if they offer him a respectable contract. I was really disappointed that the Marlins let him go. Um, it felt like, uh, you know, he did everything he could to earn respect from the fan base and from the franchise and, and performed at a pretty high level, all things considered. Um, so who knows, maybe, maybe they do bring in, uh, a grand dollar Lucroy and holiday back as, as another catcher, um, a couple of other names to throw out there behind the plate, uh, that I want to throw out there. Number one being Drew Brutera, not because I actually think he's a fit, but this gives me an opportunity to talk about a UCF alum and wrap it around to say UCF is tragically underrated at 12 in the college football playoff rankings. All right, moving on from there. Uh, <laughs> um, one name, and, and you're probably going to hate this, uh, and I think most Marlins fans would, but Brian McCann is a free agent, and I, I think a lot of Marlins fans hold hostility toward Brian McCann. I'm not sure the franchise would really, really ever be able to bring him in, but at the same time, you know, it's a veteran. He's won before. He would probably do a great job handling a young pitching staff He's been on good teams, and he really is actually kind of the perfect fit if you're not looking to overpay or extend or you know have a long term type of deal. He's a kind of perfect stopgap catcher. Uh, I don't think the Marlins could sign Brian McCann, given how most of the fan base feels, but he fits the mold of what would make the most sense for the Marlins should they maybe bring back a guy like holiday or, or Butera, like I just talked about, that's not really an everyday catcher and you know, you need someone there. Yeah. I mean, I can see it. The baseball sense I can see, but I don't, Agreed. I don't see the fan base being behind that. And 
Yeah, I mean, I just literally just bringing up his name deflated you, and now you don't even want to do this podcast anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, if, if there's one player that's not it's a former limits. Marlin that yeah. is off limits, it's definitely Brian McCann. Understandably. Um, anyway. He's the anti-fun, so. Yeah, right, exactly. But, you know, that's also, um, I don't know, it's sort of a, a quote-unquote culture thing, but I, I kind of agree with you that, that he's, not, he's not what the Marlins' new culture seems to be. But he also has the Jeter connection with their teammates in New well, York. Well, that's, that's why I bring it up. Because mm-hmm. at the same time, he is the hard-nosed Jeter type. Uh, and so it, it's, it's a name just to think about. Uh, moving forward, and, and really those are the two, you know, catcher's the big position that obviously if JT's moved, that's the big one. So the other one you mentioned was first base. Um, at first base, I don't think the Marlins are going to go out and sign any of the top, top first basemen. It's not like they're going to be going after, like, trying to trade or, or, or be a part of any Paul Goldschmidt sweepstakes or, uh, at the same time, they do need to do something. Um, like we said, Peter O'Brien, I like Peter O'Brien. I happen to think Peter O'Brien, uh, should get a chance to be a part of this major league roster right from the start. Uh, that said, it's tough to put all of your eggs in that basket considering, you know, he's not a super young prospect. And so the fact that he hasn't quite made it to the major league level, and had consistent success does concern you um, if you look at a player like that. But I, I think he has a chance to play very well. He played great in September. Um, you know, again, 40-man rosters at that point. It's a different game. Uh, but still, Peter O'Brien played well. He should get a shot, but they need to do something else. Uh, and there was a name floated out there by a few different, uh, I'll say, new sources or organizations or people or just a, I've seen a lot of talk about Logan Morrison um, and you and I both agree we would love to have Lomo back in a Marlin uniform when I saw that I got a huge smile on my face I love Lomo I know it's I know it's um, a, not a popular opinion amongst his fan base and I mean for people that have followed me on Twitter for the long long run know Lomo. that me and Lomo um, have a connection so I'm a little biased towards this but yeah, I would love Lomo back here. Yeah, and Lomo. I think he's a good fit. I think he's a good baseball fit, and he's going to be cheap. Right. So let me talk about the the Lomo fit first. Lomo hit 186 last year, mm-hmm. uh, so you know that fits with the fact that the Marlins have guys that hit under 200. Uh, <laughs> but but Lomo Lomo hit 186, but he had 15 homers. Um, and and it's the perfect platoon with a guy like Peter O'Brien. If we're being real, uh, you know, O'Brien faces the lefties, Lomo faces the righties. Again, Lomo is someone that had uh, has been around, has been a part of a, a lot of different teams, can bring uh, some fire to a roster that, you know, when you're not ultimately that competitive, it's tough to play with that competitive spirit every single day. Uh, that's one thing you can look at from Lomo. Uh, the reason a lot of Marlins fans don't like him is because he called out Hanley Ramirez back in 2011 for what he thought was not enough competitive spirit. Basically, basically not showing up and working hard in the way that Lomo felt was necessary. That's the type of attitude you do want with young players. That said, uh, we know that he's a little bit erratic in terms of what he says and how he uh, seemingly behaves around, um, you know, a lot of different topics in Major League Baseball. And so it will be interesting to see if the Marlins would bring back that type of player. I would love to see it as he's one of my favorites to ever put on a Marlin uniform. Uh, which is a strange thing to say, but but yeah, Logan Morrison too, just honestly, offensively especially, feels like the right fit. He brings a little pop to your order, 
and it takes the pressure off of O'Brien to have to be an everyday first baseman, um, which I think is necessary. Other names to put out there, Mark Reynolds maybe, uh, Lucas Duda maybe. I mean, Duda is basically the same type of player as, as Lomo if you're, you know, if, if you're really just keeping track of bringing a left-handed first baseman that can hit homers. Yeah, and I would throw in, although another unpopular opinion, but it could sell some tickets. Bringing Hanley home no. at first base no, on a one-year deal. No. Have him retire where it started. Uh, nope. He's st- sure. I, I think he's still decently good enough. And I, I think he's it. still a big, a big name to where the Marlins can consider it. I guess it could be considered, but it just does whatever. It doesn't feel like the right fit. I, I reacted the same way you just did about Brian McCann. It just deflated yeah. me. Um. And it's funny that we say Lomo when Lomo's whole attitude on the field is kind of similar to Brian McCann, if we're being completely honest. But yeah. uh, moving moving on. So now now just a few more names to throw out there um, that really have nothing to do with with need at the moment. You know, if, if Starlin Castro was still on this roster, um, you know, there's not really a need for any more infielders. Um, you know, the infield's pretty much settled. Like, I, I'm excited to see JT Riddle as an everyday shortstop. Um <clears throat> I think he can can kind of take a leap this year. I think Castro obviously was very steady at second. Um, maybe we'll see Brian Anderson at third, uh, <laughs> presumably. Um, but a few other names just to throw out there that are that are sort of the maybe you can give them a one year deal and they can provide some versatility. Before I get to the name that I ultimately, there's one last name that I ultimately really do want the Marlins to sign that I think would be the key piece to to moving forward. But uh, just some names to float out there. Jose Batista, who could be had for just about nothing, uh-huh. um, that provides again veteran leadership. He's bilingual, which means he can be part of the, you know, part of the culture down here. Um, a, a couple of outfielders that are funny that are definitely up there and older, but can be um, maybe part of something that can instill leadership. It's not necessarily about what they can provide on the field, but more about what they can provide off the field. Hunter Pence who's one of my ultimate favorites. He's 36 years old now. And then what about Curtis Granderson? You know, Curtis Granderson, who, who has been there, who's won rings, who's been a part of, uh, you know, championship teams, who has the Yankees' Derek Jeter connection as he played with him on World Series teams. And he's 38 years old. He's not performing at the same level. But you throw maybe a little extra money than he would get at a one-year deal. And he almost comes in as a semblance of a mentor to the young outfielders that you have in Brinson and Harrison and Austin Dean uh, in Sierra. And he just kind of shows them how to prepare for the game. I would love to have Curtis Granderson down here. Yeah, Curtis Granderson's a good name. I like John Jay, too, Miami Connection, Um, a defensive outfielder. Even uh, you can bring back Cameron Maven on another one-year deal. Yeah, there's no reason you couldn't. Th- these guys that are just stopgap maybe until like for the first two months of the season. Right. Until Monty gets called up or another prospect gets called up. Right. And, and an example of that in the infield, maybe a guy like Neil Walker, Neil Walker mm-hmm. can play multiple positions for you in the infield, whether it be second base, third base, first base, he can really play everything, but, but shortstop. Um, and you know, when there's injuries out there, he's a, yeah, at the end of the day, he's a professional hitter. So it's another type of guy that could come in and be an example. that's been on good teams before. Uh, last name just to float out there for fun, Big Sexy. Bring in Bartolo Colon on the one-year deal. My God, you want to sell tickets? Bartolo Colon in the new Marlins uniform, modeling that thing out there. That's what I want to see. Um, but ultimately, the, the final uh, name that I'd like to throw out there, and this is someone who I think the Marlins should consider offering a, a long-term deal, 
um, who I think could be a piece that could help this team tremendously in a lot of different ways moving forward, and that's Marwin Gonzalez. Uh, I think Marwin Gonzalez is the perfect fit for what the Marlins are trying to do. He's an athlete. Um, he's a relatively consistent hitter. He can play a lot of different positions for you. He provides a, enough pop. He's not a power hitter by any means, but he could drive in runs. He's now been on a team that's won with young players, so he could be the perfect example to a team that he was just on the Astros. The Marlins are trying to become what the Astros are, and I think he, in every sense of the term, would be the perfect player to bring into this organization at this time to sign to a three, four, five-year deal. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and he, like you said, he can play every position. And I don't know. I don't know on the years how much, how many years I'd give him. Maybe like a two-year deal. I feel okay. more comfortable giving him a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I agree. He's a great piece. And I just want to also throw this in there. I'm yeah. not trying to be the guy bring everybody home, but as a backup, uh, shortstop, and now that we see he can play third base. Echeverria back would yeah. be a bad idea. No, he. Hey, look, he's a he's a tremendous infielder. There's no reason you couldn't bring him in as 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 not an everyday starter, but you know, someone that can play multiple positions for you, similar to what Miguel Rojas can provide. Um, there's no reason not to think about it. I, look, I understand the bringing everybody home thing, right? I mean, we're trying to. Uh, I threw out Grandal because of his connections to Miami. I threw out Gio Gonzalez because of his connections to Miami. Lomo. But at the same time, you know, we're looking at what could be a possible fit. There's no reason Hechevaria couldn't be a fit. Uh, it's just interesting to see at the same time, if Brian Anderson's your third baseman, um, you're pretty much settled in the infield and Miguel Rojas becomes that utility guy for you. So there's not necessarily a need for Hechevaria, but at the same time, th- look, that guy's a gold glove caliber infielder and injuries happen. So there's no reason if you can't, if you can get him on a, on a, uh, meaningful productive deal uh that's not you know blowing up the bank account that you know you might want to bring him in um but those are pretty much all the names i had in store glad we could go through some of those um big sexy to miami is exactly what i want even though that's probably the most unrealistic and ridiculous and not even needed fit uh (laughs) for for the marlins considering he could be the father to half their pitching staff um but at the end of the day, I think if the if Marlins, he signs, he should have to wear his uniform all day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it should say Big Sexy on the back. Yeah. Uh, but the big thing would be, uh, to me, if the Marlins do come away in free agency with, like, my ideal free agency would be that they end up with either Grandal or Marwin Gonzalez and Logan Morrison, and I'll feel very comfortable with what they did in this offseason, uh, whether they trade away uh, JT Rumuto or not. Um, but that's all we got here on this episode of Swings and Mishes. Mike, thank you for joining me once again. Everyone stay tuned. Follow us at Swings and Mishes. Follow Mike at Dutch Bake. Uh, that's spelled Dutch B-E-E-K. Uh, you can follow me at Jeremy Taché. And most importantly, if you are looking for actual information and not just silly conspiracy theories about free agency floated out by us, you should follow Craig at Craig Mish. He will have everything you need to know about the JT Romuto sweepstakes as we go forward. And hey, who knows? Maybe possibly a little bit more as well. Can I plug in my podcast? Plug in your podcast. And if you like more Marlins stories, you can subscribe to my podcast on all streaming sites, the Sunbake Podcast, as I've had 
good Marlins stories with former video coordinator Colin McCoy. Yeah, that those are actually, and I'll go ahead and give the extra plug. Those have been fascinating. Uh, I've really loved to hear what what uh, Colin has said on Dutch's podcast. Dutch does a great job, and that's why we're happy to have him on here. So thank you again for joining me and Craig here, Dutch, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.